Hi everyone, this is Mark Connor, and it's a great privilege to be joining with you for this special online church service today with Praise Centre. And so welcome to each one of you, wherever you may be, either here in Melbourne or around Australia or around the world, or maybe in a galaxy far, far away. It's Easter weekend. This is a very important time on the calendar, particularly for those with a faith in Jesus Christ, as we take time to reflect on his death, his burial and his resurrection. This is a three-day period that happened uh, over 2,000 years ago, and we remember a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. Friday was a time of suffering, a time of pain, a time of death. Saturday was a time of waiting and wondering, full of questions and doubts. And then Sunday was that surprise, that celebration of resurrection and new life. In many ways, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Easter experience becomes a metaphor, a motive for not only the life of Jesus, but also for our own life. We also go through some Fridays, some times of pain and suffering and difficulty. We have those long Saturdays where maybe some disappointment and some questions, some waiting, some wondering what in the world is going on? God, where are you? And then those Sundays where God shows up and we celebrate and we rejoice at the good things that God has brought out of the Friday and the Saturday. It's also a, a metaphor, a motive for life. And uh, I think we'd all admit that our world right now is in a bit of a Friday and a Saturday with the coronavirus going around the world. There's a lot of fear, there's some pain and suffering as some people are uh, losing loved ones and friends and a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions. Where is God? What is going on? Uh, the good news is we won't stay in Friday and Saturday. There's a Sunday coming. We don't know when, we don't know how long, but there will be some life on the other side of all of this. And so my prayer for you today is that you will experience a great sense of peace, a great sense of God's strength in your life, a great degree of courage, and also a degree of joy. And although we are physically distant, I like that word better than socially distant, we can be relationally connected. And so whether you're watching by yourself or with some friends or family, Great to have you here today for this special Easter service. Have you ever memorized a verse in the Bible? Uh, some people memorize Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a, a popular verse, the first verse in the Bible. Uh, maybe you've memorized a whole chapter like Psalm 23. That's another popular one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or the shortest verse in the Bible, I memorized this when I was in Sunday school, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Only two words, pretty easy verse to memorize. You know, probably the most well-known and frequently memorized verse in the Bible is John three sixteen. It goes like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Why don't you read that out with me as it comes on your screen now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As I said, it's probably the most well-known verse in the Bible and one of the most frequently memorized verses. It's, it's very simple, but it's also incredibly profound, has a great degree of depth of truth and insight and hope. 26 words, one sentence, but full of life, full of hope. It begins with God, for God so loved the world, and it ends with life. And it urges us to do the same, to connect with God and to experience his life. 
These words were written by John, who was one of Jesus' disciples and probably his closest friend. And many years later, he was reflecting on the life of Jesus. And he wrote this amazing gospel, the Gospel of John. And so if you know nothing about God, the Bible, Jesus, Easter, then this is a great place to start. Start right here. If you know everything there is to know, then it's a good place to return. It's a good reminder today. Uh, this simple verse, John 3.16, is God's answer to the human problem. God loves, God gives, we believe, and we live. That really is the gospel in essence. And so today I thought we'd take a little time just to unpack this verse. You read it just in a few seconds, but every word is loaded with insight and truth and life for us today. Uh, John begins simply by saying, for God. And really every other word in the sentence amplifies this word, God. Uh, he is the originator, the initiator for all the good that is in this amazing sentence. Uh, John just assumes that God is. You know, in ancient times, people just looked up and they saw all the stars. And today we know that in our Milky Way galaxy, there's 100 billion stars. And so people looked up and just thought, wow, what an incredible creation. Uh, there must be a creator. Of course, today we know that the Milky Way galaxy is only one of billions of galaxies. And one of the psalmists said, the heavens declare, proclaim the handiwork of God. And so if you've ever looked at a house, you know that a house means there must be a builder somewhere. Uh, if you ever looked at a painting, you know, well, there must be a painter, an artist somewhere who made that painting. If you look at a watch, <laughs> you know, a watch implies a watchmaker. Uh, it's pretty unlikely that a watch would just come together as a result of an explosion in a factory somewhere. The, the watch implies that there is somewhere a watchmaker. And so people in ancient times tend to just look up and look around and say, wow, there's an incredibly designed and created world, so there must be a creator. And so they just assume there is a God. They also looked inside. And if you've ever noticed inside the human heart, uh, right across every continent, every country, every tribe, every language, every people group, there's this code of ethics on the inside of us. And there's almost this universal standard, as it were. There are common virtues that connect us as the human race. Almost everywhere, people would choose justice over injustice. People prefer love over hate, peace over war, right over wrong, truth over the lie or dishonesty. And so as you look in and you see this universal standard, this code of ethics, as it were, you kind of go, well, <laughs> who put that there? It seems to be like a a conscience fingerprint, as it were, that represents that there must be some bigger, broader external law. And then you have to say, well, if there's a law, then maybe there's a lawgiver. And so uh, people have often just looked up and looked in and said, uh, these are some of the indicators that there is a God. And so John begins with this assumption for God. God exists. He believed that there were arguments and reasons for believing that there is a God, someone, something bigger than all of us. Of course, believing in a God isn't necessarily good news. What, what, what kind of God is this God? Um, is, he, is he holy? If he's holy, then he probably never messes up, never makes mistakes. And so maybe he's angry at us. <laughs> maybe he's annoyed and ticked with the world. We've kind of stuffed things up since it all began. 
And so just believing in God isn't necessarily good news. But John goes on and says, for God so loved. God's not angry with the world. God's not annoyed. He's not ticked off with you. God so loved the world. This is quite an amazing statement. And it's good news. Not only that there is a God, but that God's orientation, God's disposition towards you and me is one of love. Of course, love is one of these overused and kind of worn out words, if you think about it. In one sentence, I could say, I love Nicole, my wife. I love football and I love ice cream. <laughs> you know, the same word love is used for all of those. I love Nicole, I love football, I love ice cream. But how many know, though it's the same word, those loves are very different. I mean, I don't kick Nicole, I don't lick my football and I don't kiss my ice cream. Some of you get that a little bit later. The point is, it's one word, love, but we use it in different ways. And so sometimes when we hear God so loved, uh, we can kind of glaze over. But, but love is a, a very deep and a rich word. In fact, in, in the Greek language, there are many different Greek words for the word love. There's the word eros. You might have heard of the word erotic, which is sexual, physical, sensual love. Eros was one kind of love in the Greek language. And then we have phileo. Uh, you might have heard of the city of Philadelphia, which means the city of brotherly love. Phileo is that family love, that love you have for your family, hopefully, and also for your friends, people that you have uh, a fond connection with. But John doesn't use the word eros or the word phileo. He uses this unique word called agape. And agape is a love that's more of a decision and a choice to do what's best for someone else. It has feeling and it has emotion, but it's not just a feeling and emotion. And so John says here, there is a God for God so loved each one of us. He loved the world, a love for our benefit. And that's that's the next word. I jumped ahead of myself. For God so loved the world. Again, so simple, but so profound. And in some ways, this is a little bit surprising. You think John would have said, so God so loved Israel. Or the Jews, <laughs> uh, because he was Jewish, he was from Israel. Or, or God so loved the good people. Or God so loved the people who loved him. Or God so loved the Geelong supporters. Go the cats. <laughs> uh, but, but no, God so loved the world. This is a really big, big word. And it shows the width of God's love. God so loved his disposition, his orientation to do good towards is focused on the entire world. That means the unlovable as well as the lovable, the unlovely as well as the lovely, those who love God and those who never even think of God. That word world is a big word. It's a vast, inclusive love. St. Augustine once said it's as if there was only one of us to love, God would choose to love the world. Again, this is unusual. It's surprising. God just doesn't love a select few, the chosen, the privileged, the uh, ones that, you know, he kind of selects. God loves the entire world, all of its inhabitants, uh, this world that you and I live in, the good, the bad, the ugly, the stubborn. And you know what? That's good news because that includes you and it includes me. Whoever you are, wherever you are, doesn't matter what you've done, what you think about yourself, what other people say about you. The gospel, the good news today is God so loved the world. That includes all of us, good, bad, ugly, and stubborn. 
Uh, Max Lucado is a, is a great writer and he has an excellent book on John 3.16 and in that book he tells a story of a friend of his named Karen who uh, runs a big farm and she told a funny story of one of their cows one day getting its nose stuck in a can, a paint can. And so this cow is out in the paddock, found this paint can, can had a sniff, and, and this can is stuck on its nose and, and it, it just can't shake it off. Uh, not only that, as you can understand, the cow can't breathe very well. Uh, it can't drink or eat and, and it's actually in, in danger. And so Karen and some of the helpers on the farm go out to help this cow, but the cow just runs away. And then they get close to the cow, you know, trying to help get this paint can off off its nose and it runs away and and she tells a story for three days they chase this cow around the acres of their farm and eventually with the help of some pickup trucks and ropes and uh, uh, some some helpers from from the neighborhood they eventually cornered and, and, and decanned the cow <laughs> and it, it's it's a funny story because in many ways it's a bit like us us humans we're kind of canned nosed people we we stick our nose into things that we probably shouldn't and God comes to help us and to fix the problem. And, and what do we do? We run away. Oh, I'm good. I don't need you, God. But he pursues us. He doesn't give up on us. He, he loves us. <laughs> and he just waits for us to soften a little and get us out of that can that's just destroying our life, as it were. God so loved the world, even the stubborn. This amazing sentence goes on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave. And this is this demonstration of this amazing God kind of love. God loves us not by getting something from us, demanding something from us, but God demonstrates his love by giving of himself to us, to meet our needs. Uh, later on, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 verse 2 in the Message Bible said this, Observe how Christ loved us. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself. To us. That's a really good description of this God kind of love. He didn't love us to get something in return. That would be a selfish kind of love. But he loved us to give everything of himself to us. And so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave himself. As someone very eloquently once said, if our greatest need was information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was money, he would have sent us an economist. But because our greatest need was forgiveness, he sent us a savior. And so this Easter, the good news is that Jesus came as the savior of the world to forgive us of our mistakes. <laughs> Those times where we've stuck our nose in the can, as it were, and got ourselves in a bit of trouble. Not only does Jesus give us forgiveness, but he gives us a sense of identity. We can be children of God, a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, a sense of meaning, a sense of significance. Everything our heart longs for, uh, Jesus comes to fulfill those longings. And so he gives himself, the Father sends the Son, his one and only Son, to meet those deep needs in our life. It goes on to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever... Here we get, again have this big universal focus, the whole world, that whoever. <laughs> you know, John Newton uh, wrote that amazing hymn called Amazing Grace. And uh, he was blown away by this word, 
whoever, this barrier-breaking pronoun. And he said this, If I read God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that when John Newton believed he could have eternal life, he would say, well, maybe there's another John Newton. Maybe it's not this John Newton. But he went on to say, but when he says whoever, it means any John Newton and me as not John Newton and any other person, everybody else, whatever their name may be. So simple, but here's a welcome mat from God's heart uh, to all of humanity. He invites the whole world to himself. No qualifier, no restrictions. There's this indefinite profound, pronoun. <laughs> I mean, after all, who isn't a whoever? Which of you joining us today isn't a whoever? <laughs> God exports his grace worldwide to all people, whoever you are today. God breaks through racial barriers, social barriers, gender barriers, ancient traditions. There's not one person that God's love isn't reaching out to today. Whoever also, I think, implies however, however he finds us. You don't need to clean up. You don't need to climb up. You just got to look up to God today. It implies whenever, whenever you hear God's voice, he welcomes you. You know, there's no expiration date to this wonderful promise God gives us in this verse. You ever got a gift certificate with an expiry date? A few years ago, someone gave uh, me a couple of movie vouchers as a gift and um, stuck them in my drawer. Eventually pulled them out, said to Nicole, hey, let's go see a movie. Got to the cinema uh, and we had a great movie we we're going to see. Handed my gift vouchers in and I was a day late. <laughs> it had expired and I didn't have a very friendly uh, customer service agent. They said, sorry, uh, yesterday was expired date. I said, look, can you have it? That Sorry, yesterday was that. And so we didn't get to use those gift vouchers. Had to pay for the movie. Uh, the good news about the gospel is that there's no expiry date. Uh, you're never too late. It, it's never, never out of date. Uh, it's always available whenever you might look to God and wherever you are. You're never too far from God. You know, sometimes we talk about people that are far from God. Uh, Paul, the apostle says he's not far from any one of us. Even the prodigal son, gone his own way, lived it up, made a bunch of poor decisions, uh, the father was waiting for that prodigal to return. And so it doesn't matter however you might find yourself, whenever you may seek to look up to God and wherever you may be. Uh, there's no status too low, no hour too late, no place too far for God's love. And so however you may be today, whenever it may be when you're joining us or watching this message, wherever, whoever includes you, it includes every one of us today in this good news of the gospel. And so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes. It's another interesting and surprising word. This invitation uh, is simply to those who believe. It doesn't say to those who work for, or those who measure up, or those who try really hard, or those who get their act together, or those who do all the right things. It just says whoever believes. Shouldn't I have to do a bit more? <laughs> you know, it, it should be a bit more complicated, shouldn't it? I mean, shouldn't I have to earn it or kind of merit it or, you know, do, do something? No, no, no. This statement is whoever believes. If you go back a little early in John 3, the context of this John 3.16 statement is Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus. <laughs> Nicodemus was a very religious person, in fact, a Pharisee. 
and the Pharisees were very pedantic law keepers. In fact, uh, they used to argue about uh, laws like keeping the Sabbath, which uh, had a bunch of rules around the kind of work you couldn't do on the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. And so they would debate and argue how to apply these laws that God had given actually for our good. One of the debates they had was about tying knots and whether you could tie a knot on the Sabbath. Like, is that work or not work? And so they would argue. And apparently one of the commentaries on the Pharisees said that they agreed that if you could tie the knot with one hand, then it's not work. If you use two hands, then that's work. That's the kind of mentality these uh, Pharisees had. They were law keepers. They were pedantic rule keepers. And so Jesus is chatting to Nicodemus, and you're right, remember, and he says to Nicodemus, if, if you're going to enter God's kingdom, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. If you want a, a transformation, it's not about keeping all the rules. It's about having this spiritual experience that's literally like being born again. Um, you know, if you think about a child, I, I was there at the birth of all of our children many years ago. You know, a child really doesn't do anything to be born. It, it's the mother that does all the work. Um, you know, when, when the baby comes out, you're excited, but you don't, you don't kind of reward the baby. You give the baby a pacifier. You give the mother the medal <laughs> because, I mean, she's given all the effort. She's pushed. She's agonized. She's delivered. She's paid the price to bring this baby into the world. And, you know, spiritual birthing, having a, a transformation on the inside of you is not about you being a capable baby or an infant. It's about a capable parent. And God is that capable parent. And so Jesus has said to Nicodemus, you know what, you've got to be born again. It's not about your effort. It's actually about a spiritual transformation. And it's not try again. It's be born again. God does the work. We simply trust in the work that he does. And so this good news of Easter, it's not about you trying harder or measuring up or being a better person. It's about you believing, simply putting your trust. A baby just trusts. <laughs> that the mother and the doctor's got it all in hand. And so being born again, experiencing that transformation, that eternal life, it's about us believing and trusting in him, in Jesus. Jesus is the way to salvation, to eternal life. And it's not believe in yourself or believe in someone else. It's believe in him, believe in Jesus. It goes on to say, and if you do that, you won't perish. A bit of a negative word, um, you know, you think John would have kind of deleted this from the sentence or delayed it or, or not put it in there. No one likes to talk about perishing or judgment or hell, you know, it kind of sounds pretty negative. Uh, and so, you know, wh why go here? Well, uh, the truth is God doesn't want anyone to perish. Uh, he doesn't want to send anyone to hell. In fact, hell was made for the devil and his angels, not for people. Later on, the apostle Peter says, God does not want any to perish, but all come to eternal life. You know, universalism is the belief that everyone will be saved. You would have to say that God is at least a hopeful universalist. I'm not saying everyone will be saved, but God would like everyone to respond. Uh, but of course, we have a choice and God never forces himself on people. The great writer C.S. Lewis once said, hell will be locked from the inside. <laughs> People that close the door and say, God, I don't want anything to do with you. And so we do have a choice. We do have free will. But the truth is God doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want to send anyone to hell. God's desire is that we all believe and experience this amazing eternal life. 
goes on, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Let's think of the word eternal. Uh, years ago, there used to be a cartoonist named Gary Larson, and he wrote The Far Side and all these kind of comics. So they're looking at one of this person who made it to heaven and uh, they were there with a few wings sitting on a cloud, uh, marooned in the sky in this celestial kind of post with a harp and just lots of time to do nothing, kind of like an eternal lockdown, as it were. And you kind of look at that and you go, oh, I don't know if that's going to be that much fun. Some kind of nonstop, endless sing-along, hymn, chorus, hymn, chorus, couple more verses. I mean, the boredom of heaven sounds worse than the tortures of hell. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes we have these images of, of heaven being a little bit like that. But uh, he heaven's a real place, and I believe it's going to take the best of the joys of what we experience on earth, and it's going to be that and even better. Uh, but, you know, the word eternal is not just about duration. We kind of think heaven. Uh, the word eternal is not just length of life, but it's a quality of life. And the good news is not just heaven when we die or living forever. Death doesn't have the last word. It's, it's a quality of life. Jesus offers us life. The Greek word is zoe. And it's actually life as God has it, as God experiences it. And it's less about duration and more about quality and vitality and energy and a sense of fulfillment and joy. And so the good news that is being offered to us is a life right here, right now, that's characterized by peace and by love and by joy, not just in heaven when you die, eternal life. And so what, what, what an amazing verse, so simple. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Maybe you've read it before, maybe you've memorized it before, but have you ever responded to it? Have you ever put your trust in this incredible statement, this incredible offer? It's like God has made his move. In the story of Easter, God has sent his son. God has made his move. God has reached his hand out towards you. But you and I have a choice to make. Will we just walk by and say, no, I'm good, I'm fine? Or will we respond, reach our hand back and say, yes, yes, I, I want that good news. I want that eternal life. I believe I receive Jesus. Uh, later on, Paul would write in Ephesians 3, verse 17. I love this in the Message Bible. Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. Isn't that beautiful? Christ will live in you. That's that eternal life right here, right now. Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. He doesn't just bust into our life, force himself into our life. We have to open the door. And so as we bring this message to a close, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer, a simple prayer of response, a yes to this message. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've never begun a relationship with God. Or maybe you did this once, but you kind of drifted from it. You kind of maybe got a little disillusion, maybe a bit stuck in the Saturday questions and doubts. Or maybe you're just not sure. Yeah, I kind of believe in God, but I'm not sure. You can be sure today. Or maybe you're listening and you already have made this commitment. Let's reinforce this credible commitment, this opening the door of our life to Jesus today. I'm going to put the words up on the screen right now, and I'm going to encourage you from your heart to say this prayer with me together. Here we go. Dear God, I believe you love this world. 
You gave your one and only Son, so I can live forever with you. Apart from you, I die. With you, I live. I choose life. I choose you. Amen. Let me pray for you today. Lord, for each person that said that prayer from their heart, I pray today as they're opening the door of their heart to you, Jesus, you would come inside them and you would live within them. You would give them that eternal life that you promise. Today, you would wipe away the guilt and the pain and the shame of yesterday. And Today would be a new day, a new day of living with you. And they would experience eternal life, not just in heaven when they die, but right here, right now. They would experience all the love that you have for them, all the peace that supersedes our understanding and all the joy, not happiness. Happiness is very much based on what happens to us, but that deep inner joy, that sense that things are going to turn out all right, that you would fill them with your love and your peace and joy. And today would be a, a day of transformation, transformation and the beginning of a new life. And we would be a blessing wherever we go. I said today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it's been so great to share with you today, whether you're part of the Praise Center community or wherever you may be today. And if you said that prayer, you'd like to talk to someone, why don't you email in, contact the church, have a talk to one of the pastors there. Let someone know, hey, I've responded to the good news of Jesus, this eternal life. Why don't you say this verse with me one more time as we close this message part. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's my prayer for you today. I pray you have a great Easter. Stay safe, stay well. God bless you.